Hey, we're back. Uh, it is Friday morning. It is uh, April 26th. It is approximately 9.35 uh, Mountain Standard Time. Hold on here. Oh, you know what? And I just got a text. Anyway, Wednesday nights we are... Um, oh, and you know what? Next week. I got to tell you this. Uh, next week, May 3rd. May 3rd uh, at the Tempe Center for the Arts. And if you haven't been to a show at the Tempe Center for the Arts yet? You owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself just to walk into that building. Uh, we are uh, presenting Class Clowns. This is the longest running comedy showcase in the greater Phoenix area, now running nonstop since um, October of 2001. October of 2001. The, we have been uh, doing this show in various locations for the last seven years at the Tempe Center for the Arts. Hold on, Jeff's calling. So, hello. Hi, are we doing this? Um, you know what? We can. I left you a message that we were a little behind schedule on things, and uh, I called you earlier this morning and said, um, "Let's talk later, and maybe we should uh, wait till next week." But now we're doing it. You mean I'm on the air? Yes, you're on the air. It's a, it, <laughs> That's weird. That <laughs> is, you know what, it is weird. I looked down and I saw it was you and I thought, all right, do I, uh, do I um, decline the call and send him a message? Do I unplug and hand the phone to Shirley? Or do I just answer? So I decided to just answer. So how are you? Okay, but no one, if, if we're on the air, no one knows it's me. Um, you know what? I think by now they recognize the sound of your voice, ladies and gentlemen. We're listening. Uh, you're listening to um, the voice you're hearing. The next voice you hear uh, is uh, uh, Jeff Abagov. Jeff is a uh, uh, a close personal friend. Don't hold that against him. And a, a very wonderful and talented guy. He has been a successful uh, television writer and producer, screenwriter, director, and novelist. And that is who is on our phone at this moment. I guess now might be a good time to let people know that uh, early in the fall, you'll be coming out here and uh, uh, talking to the people, sharing with the people. Um, a lot of people in Phoenix want to enter show business. They, they stop at, at the border in Phoenix. People head from uh, the eastern time zone and central time zone and the uh, northern part of the mountain time zone, and they go, well, I'm going to go to L.A. and become a star, and then they stop in Phoenix and go, I'm scared. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> We have a lot. Go ahead. Maybe they should fly. Yeah, you know, um, I think. Like if the planes go to L.A., they can't get off at Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this. When you move from Canada, where you're from, to um, Los Angeles uh, on your first journey out, did you fly or drive? I, I, I uh, <laughs> this ages me. There was an airline called People's Express. I remember it. Yes, and I'm sure most of your viewers never heard of it. For the good, they were like the first discount airline. Um, and they charged basically from Burlington, Vermont to Los Angeles $99. Uh, incredibly cheap, especially for then. And they were... Uh, the bad part of them, and they're out of business now, they were the ones who came up with the concept of, let's not give away food, let's provide food at a charge. 
mm, kind of sucks now, right? Because <laughs> big airlines started doing it too. But anyway, to answer your question, uh, um, and first, by the way, I didn't get your voicemail. You should always call my landline. Anyway, to answer your question, no, I, uh, so I had some, um, a very good friend of mine and my mom drove me from Montreal to Burlington. And something I only found out recently, uh, not important, but just coincidental or cool, um, as I was sneaking, you know, as I illegally crossed the border, because I was asked, how long are you coming here for? Oh, just a week or two, just want to see it, just a tourist. And I knew I was lying. Um, as I entered Burlington, the mayor at that time, the mayor of Burlington, was a young man named Bernie Sanders. Really? Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. So you, you entered the country um, legally, but then ex uh, stayed past your, your visa, correct? Well, I didn't have a visa. You don't need a visa to go between Canada and the United States. Uh, I came as a tourist, and I stayed until I got a job. And then, then I got a visa and was told, go, go back to Canada and come in legally, which I did. So you weren't part of a, you know, because in... Um 85 or 86, um, there was a man named Ronnie Reagan, and uh, uh, inexplicably, he had been uh, elected president. If you think this guy is weird, that guy was weirder. Uh, he, though, did a big amnesty somewhere around 1986 so that people who had overstayed visas, etc., they no longer were under any sort of uh, uh, fear of deportation. I, I remember that. I remember being excited about it and looked into it, and I don't remember why, but I didn't qualify. Maybe I wasn't illegal for long enough. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't. And it was '85, because um, towards the end of '85, I got my first job. And but yeah. Um, anyway, I was hanging out with a lot of British guys at the time. Almost. To a man, all of them had overstayed a visa, uh, uh, either a work visa or a tourist visa. To a man... Sad, sadly, in this country, it's much easier to do that when you're white. Yeah, I mean, these guys weren't white. They were translucent because they were British. I mean, you could actually see their veins, especially on their nose, bright red veins. <laughs> Let's go have a point. So, uh, you know what? So, what we're talking about this, we're kind of digging back... Uh, um, uh, not on purpose, but it's just uh, digging back in the past a little bit. I'm thinking, all of a sudden, I'm thinking about my British friends in Los Angeles who are wonderful guys, you know, musicians and, and drunks, basically, which are the only two types of Brits there are. They were Cockney, every one of them. There was no, no one who spoke like this. They were, oh, Tony, come on, let's have a point. Um, and we are talking about the first time that you came to Los Angeles. So you're the type of writer who writes every day, correct? No. No. <laughs> no. One day a month? 15 minutes a year? No, I, I write, um, as I do so many things, I binge write. Ah, like, ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> like, I'll write, like, every single day for months, and then not at all for a while, until I start the next thing. Is it more difficult... So sometimes you've got a gig. You get hired by, right. uh, you know, Joe Schmo Productions to write um, a police story, 2020. So um, that'll be which is, which is going quite well so far. Yeah. 
<laughs> with the same music. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, so well, yeah, yeah, the only thing is Gutenberg doesn't look like he used to look. <laughs> no, no. But you and I have not changed one bit since our youth. I don't know. Isn't that amazing? So, it is. Um, uh, but I wasn't, well, I, I'm, I'm taking your word. I don't think I was born when you were in your youth. Oh, God. Oh, oh. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you know, when a joke doesn't land, that's so... it just means... Like, if that, was fu- if that had been funny, it would have been funny. This is a lesson in comedy to all those out there. If the joke lands, great joke. If it doesn't, then you're just mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, yeah, that's true. It's, it, it's a fine line between being mean and being funny. And Absolutely. I think a lot of the issues that um, we come across in stand-up comedy nowadays have to do with people not understanding that fine line. You know, not understanding. They, they think that being, they, they'll go see a comic who's a very aggressive comic, uh, who's really good at put downs and insults. Uh, some, one of the ancestors, uh, Don Rickles' ancestor, uh, a descendant. Right. And, and then they'll want to do that, and they can't do it, and they just come off like jerks. So, uh, and then people come out and see those shows, and then they go, oh, it's, it's comedy's not funny anymore. Uh, yeah. And, and part of that, I think, also, and I think what I just did was an a- accidental example of that. Um, you no, have it, to, was, it was funny. It, I would, no, no, let me, let, me, my, let me make my point. Um, that you have to be who you are. I'm not really a mean comic, and most of my, both comedy and drama, isn't mean. I even find in my first book the the alien commander who's evilly trying to destroy uh, mankind and wipe us out from the planet, you find out his motivation, and you kind of go, hey, he's not that bad a guy from his point of view. Um, You know, basically, you have to find your voice. I remember hearing an interview with Seinfeld, and they were talking about swearing, and he said, like, yeah, I tried it once early on. It just didn't work for me. And it's he, not that he, you know, it's like, I don't have anything against it. It works great for other comics. So I think just like, mean comedy doesn't work for me. I tried it. I failed. And I did that kind of throwing myself on the sword for all the, your listeners to hear. Well, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't a terrible joke. It wasn't the worst joke you've ever told. Um... It might have been. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to say it was. <laughs> well, you know what? We've made a little history here today on... Uh... <laughs> This American Podcast Comedy Edition. Uh, you mentioned your first book. I want to mention the title of it, which is, uh, and I, I'm always trying to get it right. It's uh, um, Vampires. No. It's Zombies. Yeah. Zombies versus Aliens versus Vampires versus Dinosaurs. That's it. That's good. Very good. A great book. Great book. You can get it uh, uh, currently. You can get it on Amazon. And it's a great, uh, you know, and, and I... Knowing you, don't take this the wrong way. It's a great summer read. You know, as people are looking for something to read in the summer, uh, you still, you'll see that. People go, you know, we're going on vacation. Anybody, can anybody recommend a good read? You know, and, uh, which, you know, that's a little bit of a pretentious statement. Can anybody recommend a good read? Uh, this is a good book to read. Uh, if you're looking for something... Uh, as is uh, Time Travel for Love and Profit. You've written two books. And that I want to get to my uh, uh, initial question before you uh, uh, hurt my feelings in a way that it, they've never been hurt before. Uh, 
which is <laughs> hold on a minute hold on we just had a uh, a technical issue here don't go anywhere mm-hmm. all right so um you know what the technical issue was i um uh, the phone fell um <laughs> <laughs> so when you have an assignment or a job you know uh new world <laughs> big big world studios calls you up and goes jeff we need someone to write the next great space rom-com and you get the and here's the money and you write it or when you get hired to uh, write um you know, uh, police story, uh, 2020, uh, then it's a job and you go and you do the job, but when, what motivates you and especially for a lot of, uh, beginners or even uh, journeymen or even people been at it for a while, uh, writing those jokes on a regular basis or writing that script on a regular basis is since there's no immediate reward, it's difficult. So how do you motivate yourself to do that? Um, you, well, there's different ways to answer that. First, you just do, because you took, you said yes. You know, you're allowed to say no, but if you said yes, you just do it because you said you would. Um, it's your job, um, and you get up in the morning and you do your job. Um, the other part is, and I think this is what you're getting at in the more important part, is you have to somehow you have to love it. And if you don't love it, I mean, in the perfect world, you love it anyway. When they call and say, hey, we want you to do the next blank or we want you to do this, um, you do love it initially. Um, And if you don't, you have to, and you take the job, you have to make yourself love it. You have to make yourself believe in it. You have to make yourself, you have to find that part of yourself that goes, this is great, or this could, will be great. Um, I don't know how to explain, like, I've, I've worked on some fantastic shows and some, let's say, less than fantastic shows, and when writing a script that, you know, is, that it, it, before you took the job and after you leave the job, you'll know it's a okay, mediocre show. While you're doing it, or this is for me, not may not work for everyone. You have to like find that place. It's like this is great. This show is fantastic for what it is. Now later you'll remember. So yeah, it's fantastic for what it is. It's shit, and it's the best shit of all the shitty shows on. This is the best one. But you can't tell yourself that. You just make yourself love it. You make yourself believe in it. You do your best, and that's what drives you. Fantastic. So let, let me ask you the, um, uh, the other part of my question, which is when you don't have a job, and there's maybe no job prospect on the horizon, but you go, I have to write in order for – I have to write because if I don't write, I might lose that muscle or whatever. How do you motivate yourself when there's not a job, when you don't have to get in your car and go to an officer's studio – when you're sitting home and you go, I'm going to write a novel, how do you motivate yourself to do that, knowing that at the end of the day, possibly, not the case with either one of your novels, by the way, but possibly no one will ever read it. It might not ever leave my desk. How do you motivate yourself to do that? Well, you don't think that. (laughs) You think think that this is going to be the next greatest thing ever. 
and that's what motivates you. Now, right, so that, that's good. That's good. I like it. I, I, this is good insight. I, I don't know, you know, what's fascinating about people like you who have great insight, you don't realize, not you, but you don't realize the things that you share that are valuable to people who are just now facing the forest and finding their way through it. So what about you believe when you write something that it's going to be great. You don't ever sit there and go, I'm going to write this, but it might suck. What was the second part? I'm going to write this, but it, but it might suck. Well, first of all, if you're writing on spec, meaning like you're writing for free. Yeah. Um, you like I once heard you say um, that you'll write like a thousand jokes a day to have two good ones. Or something like that. It's uh, If you want 10 good jokes, write 100 jokes. Okay. Um, so I was right on the point, just wrong on yes. the math. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but when writing a screenplay, a teleplay, or a novel for on spec, you can't do that, obviously. But you could stop at any point. And I've done that, where you say, oh, this is great, this is great, and you get to a certain point in it, and you go... It just had no legs. It was like a great... I, my short story, um, the autobiography of At, which I know you've read, um, was originally I thought of as a novel. And I started writing it, and I was really excited. And at a certain point, it's just like it's a really clever idea, but it's not a 300-page clever idea. By around page 50 or 60, it was just like... Even the, the story wasn't over... But the idea was over. And so I just put it away. And about seven, eight months ago, later, I mean, um, I went, what if it's a short story? And as a 15-page story, it's like <laughs> people read it and go, gee, I wanted more. So the, po the point being, when you're writing on spec, you c if, and you're all excited when you start, at a certain point where you go, hey, this isn't as good as I thought, you could just stop. All right, cool. You know, you know <laughs> while you were talking, you said, I heard that little noise in the background. Like, -little 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 -little. It was yeah, I was getting a text. Yeah, no, no, that's good. But it was almost like, it was almost like you had your own soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Uh, um, I, I, got, I, I got a hard break coming up, okay? Uh, I apologize. I tried because uh, you and I hadn't really been able to speak in the uh, uh, last week or so, uh, you had been um, uh, over Easter. I was busy. You were busy. Um, uh, so I wasn't. Uh, uh, you know, Shirley's been ill. Shirley, it's important. Shirley thinks it's important for me to let people know that she was ill. So um, uh, uh, how is she now? She's. Uh, it's hard to tell because she's very quiet. Um, tell her. <laughs> uh, Sent her my best, and sorry she's not feeling well. Cheryl, Jeff sends his best. There, there, that's, that's... Oh, and the second part, too, but I guess she's hearing us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the power, that's the power of mass media. I can actually yell across, I can yell across my home office to her. Listen, <laughs> uh, come hell or high water, uh, which isn't a bad movie, uh, come hell or high water uh, next Friday, 9.30, your time and my time, and uh, I'll be better prepared. I apologize. But I, you got to some great stuff today. And uh, very soon, with the next couple of weeks, we'll be announcing to people when you'll be out here to be able to share um, your fun and knowledge and uh, uh, books and everything uh, live and in person 
in the greater Phoenix area. Okay, buddy? Okay. Nice talking as usual. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There are some people who um, – I met Jeff, uh, and I, did not, I didn't know who or what he had been. I didn't know he'd been in the upper echelons of t- uh, TV when I met him. He was just kind of a guy uh, who kind of showed up uh, where I used to – I used to have a late Friday morning breakfast with a bunch of very cool people in Studio City. This is 15, 20 years ago. 15 years ago. And uh, I met him, and uh, at the time, he was between jobs. And uh, we just started talking. And I don't think we've stopped talking since, over the years. I've talked to that guy uh, driving across the desert. I've been to his house. Uh, he used to come to my house. Um, uh, we do a couple other little things together. Just a wonderful guy. Just a wealth of knowledge. And you know what? You know what? Um, that is key that he, and I, I've seen him pitch, not in a formal place, but I've seen him pitch in an informal place uh, where it's a, a group of writers and producers uh, together for their own purpose. And I go, that's part of his success is he is so positive about his ideas. 